Hey everybody, this is Randy Shandabel and you're listening to This Golden State. He's a Republican running for governor in an overwhelmingly blue state, and you probably haven't heard of him. So why am I devoting a half-hour podcast to John Cox? Well, even though the attorney and venture capitalist from Rancho Santa Fe near San Diego has only a slim chance of winning next year's election, he has some really interesting ideas, provocative ideas, I think you'll want to hear about. When you have a district that's only 5,000 people, you're not going to run television ads. It really creates a tiny campaign that money won't win. In addition to running for governor, Cox is sponsoring a ballot initiative to overhaul Sacramento by creating a so-called neighborhood legislature, which would add thousands of new citizen legislators to the already existing 80 assembly members and 40 state senators. It's just making districts tiny so that special interests lose their power. Another Cox idea, kind of a publicity stunt, really, requiring state lawmakers to wear the logos of their top 10 campaign contributors on their clothing, kind of like NASCAR drivers. You know, it would require our legislators to have a modicum of shame about the system. Cox says that's perhaps the main difference between him and his better-known Democratic Party rivals, Gavin Newsom, Antonio Villaraigosa, and John Chung. He says he's not beholden to special interests. We talked with Cox last week. John Cox, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Randy. So you are a candidate for governor in the biggest, most important state in the country, but I'm guessing that at least 95% of all Californians probably at this point have no idea who you are. Yeah. To them, you're an empty canvas. So sketch me a quick outline of who John Cox is. I'm a small businessman, first and foremost, I guess. Uh, started in uh, Chicago, on the south side of Chicago, a single mom who raised uh, four kids, really, and she was the major breadwinner in the family. Uh, she was from Chicago, but she was educated in California, Berkeley grad. My older brother was born in San Jose, and uh, she got divorced, moved back to Chicago. I was born. My real father took one look at me and left, uh, and uh, never saw him again. But you've never seen your no, real father again? No, no, no. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I worked my way through college and law school. I'm a CPA. Uh, I went to law school at night, graduated top of my class, started my business. Just me and a secretary in an office in Chicago in the suburbs, and uh, and have grown it. Finally, I'd earned enough money to actually buy a house in California. And I moved out here about uh, 2008 uh, in what I call paradise, uh, Rancho Santa Fe near San Diego. I mean, it is better than I deserve. An attorney, what kind of attorney, briefly? Tax attorney, pensions. I, I drafted pension plans. I drafted estate plans. I did tax returns, uh, you know, contracts, real estate, uh, that kind of thing, business attorney. And then I also read that you're a venture capitalist. What kind of ventures have you invested well, in? Well, uh, a number of them, but my most successful one was I bought a snack food company in Chicago called Jay's Potato Chips. You know, that's the, that's the major venture capital that I participated in. Okay, let's get back to the campaign and California issues. Voters can judge most of the other candidates for governor not just on what they say, but on how they've actually performed holding public office. There's big city mayors running, 
uh, a lieutenant governor, a state treasurer, a former state superintendent of schools. So the other candidates have all done something in public office, but with you there is no public record. How can people figure out what kind of governor you'd be? Uh, I'm going to talk to people about the problems of California, uh, but I'm also going to be talking about a solution. I mean, the reason I'm running, Randy, is because I have an idea about how to break the stranglehold that special interest money has on California. It needs to be done. This is a great, great state, but it has some major, major problems, which really are at the doorstep of a legislature that's basically owned by special interests. And one of the main well, let, reasons I'm running is to try to make that change. Let, let, let me interrupt you real quickly. I, I promise I will give you plenty of time to talk about your proposals. But before right. we talk about your proposals, again, even assuming your proposals are fantastic, why should a public who has no idea who you are and you have no public record know that you'll be able to come through and follow up on those proposals? Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I, I started with nothing 35 years ago and built a business worth $200 million. I think the public can judge that I can effectively budget. I can effectively hire and fire employees. I can effectively manage an enterprise. But I've actually had to sign both sides of a paycheck, Randy. I've had to negotiate budgets. I've had to supervise budgets. I've had to supervise employees. That's what an executive does. That's what the chief executive, which is the governor, does. Just six months ago, uh, another man gave a similar argument as to why people should trust him. He's now the president of the United States. And here in California, people aren't too happy with him. Well, don't equate me to be Donald Trump. I mean, I, I, I'm not. Are, I'm, just are, saying, I'm just saying he used that are, same logic that I'm a businessman, well, a successful businessman, and I know how to it, budget. It's inescapable logic. Now, Mr. Trump to my way of thinking, is way too caustic. He's, 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 he's arrogant. Uh, he's a lot of things. I'm glad he's president instead of Hillary Clinton because, frankly, if you look at the dictionary under the word corruption, you saw Hillary Clinton's picture. So I, I, she was one of the most flawed candidates ever to run for office. Frankly, the choice we had in November was not a very happy one as far as I'm concerned. I'm sure a lot of the people that I've talked to in the state feel the same way. Having said that, I think a business person is very well qualified to be a chief executive. Ask the people of Michigan who have Rick Snyder, the people of North Dakota who just elected Doug Burgum, the people of Maryland, a very democratic state, who elected Larry Hogan. And he's a businessman who was never elected to a public office before. Uh, I think it can be done, uh, Randy, and, and I'm willing to meet with people all around the state and, and get them comfortable with this. It's one of the reasons I announced so early but uh, make make sure that there's no mistake about it. I am not Donald Trump. I'm. I read six newspapers a day. I understand the issues. I understand the nuts and bolts. I didn't inherit a penny from my parents. I built a business by working hard and 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 building capital and building relationships and a reputation. And I expect that people in California will acknowledge that that's a that's a good. You haven't had a chance to govern yet. But you have had a couple of interesting proposals, actually some very interesting proposals. Both of them have to do with reducing the influence of special interest on state politicians. The first one I'd like to talk about is the ballot initiative you were pitching last year that would have required all state legislators to wear the logos of the top 10 donors uh, on their clothing, uh, kind of like NASCAR drivers. Sounds kind of crazy, but I've got to admit I kind of like it. <laughs> I bet you did. And that was basically, Randy, 
an effort. You know, I've been working on the neighborhood legislature, which is really the reform that I want to. Uh, I promise get we'll done. get there. I Let's understand. talk about NASCAR first. And and you know, I've been trying to build an audience for the neighborhood legislature for about five or six years. So we've been doing a lot of work in terms of research, in terms of visiting with academics, and and getting this heard. And I had a public relations person uh, pitch me the idea, which he frankly got off the internet. This is not my idea, by the way. Bill Maher came up with this idea, I think. He wore a jacket on a Larry King interview that had patches all over his jacket uh, signifying the people who were funding campaigns. I'm I'm guessing this is one of the only things you have in common with Bill Maher. No, I'm not so sure of that. I I look for the opportunity to be on a show and actually discuss how our politics is all about who gets purchased. But but the, the concept of his point in wearing that jacket was that our politicians are basically owned by their funders. And and that's the pitch that I got from this public relations person and it sounded like a pretty good idea to me. I was trying to build a support for the neighborhood legislature and I wanted to basically in a comedic way communicate to people that our system is stupid. I mean think about our system. People who want something from government fund and staff the campaigns of the people who make the decisions. Now Randy I don't know about you but I I don't know that I could come up with a better definition of corruption if I try. That's pretty darn stupid Uh, and, and it ought to be changed. Uh, this this idea lit up the internet, as you might know. I mean, people thought it was great. So why didn't it qualify for the ballot? I didn't want it to qualify for the ballot. I, I, I started collecting signatures. We collected 250,000 signatures within, a, within 30 days. And then my signature collectors came to me and said, Jerry Brown is paying $8 a signature, and Charles Munger is paying 6 or $5 a signature. Uh, you know, we want you to start paying us $5 and $6. And I said, wait a second. I'm not going to fund a signature collection effort that is going to break the bank here. This is not the initiative I want on the ballot. I mean, I, I did it because it would attract attention, and it highlighted the corruption of the system so I loved the idea of our legislators standing out there with NASCAR-type clothing, but it's, it wasn't going to solve the problem, Randy. It was, it, was, it was done to highlight the problem. You understand? Well, I, I think it would go a step to solving the problem, actually. I, think, I don't think so. I no. think, I think no. transparency no. and embarrassment would, uh, would change behavior. Maybe, maybe, but it's tangential, and frankly, you know, it would require our legislators to have a modicum of shame about the system. And I'm not sure that exists, by the way. So I I certainly agree with you that if they had to wear these jackets while they were casting votes, they might feel a little bit of shame and feel a little bit stupid. So if by chance you get elected governor... I'm not going to make them wear this, no. No, no, no. I'm asking, will you wear one? (laughs) Will you wear a jacket with the logos of your donors? No, because I don't... I want to change the system, Randy. It's it's not that I don't want to be shamed. It's just... I want to change the system. I want to make it so that they're not professional fundraisers. I want to make it so that we elect people who are really policy leaders and policy uh, consensus builders. I want, I want our legislature to be as good as the people of our state. We don't elect corrupt people, but what we do is we force good people who run for office into a corrupt system. So it's the system that I'm trying to attack. It's the system that I was making fun of with the NASCAR proposal. 
and it's the system that I'm now putting my time and a good deal of my money into changing. Well, I've always been a fan of the absurd, so I like the idea. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, let, let, let's, let's get to your current proposal. The uh, You call it the neighborhood legislature? Or? The neighborhood legislature. Yes, okay, explain what, right. that, explain what that we means. We actually have a, a, <clears throat> a longer name. It's called the low-cost New Hampshire-style neighborhood legislature. And, and, and it really comes out of experiences I had in New Hampshire. I discovered that New Hampshire it's a tiny little state. You know, California is 40 times larger, but New Hampshire has a million people and it has 400 members of its House of Representatives. And it's been this for over 100 years. And I was there and I saw really good people running for the state legislature. And guess what? They spent only a few hundred dollars to get elected. And it was a job that paid $100 a year, Randy. These were not people that did it for money. And these weren't a bunch of crazies. They weren't a bunch of single-issue guys or any girls or anything like that. There were retired executives who ran. There were small business owners, college students, homemakers who had left the workforce, who were lawyers and accountants in the private sector, but it had left the workforce to raise children, but they still wanted to be involved. And I wondered, why would these people do this? Why would they get out and, and run? And Randy, it's because they could. It's because they ran by talking to their neighbors, going door to door and meeting their constituents and talking to them about issues and giving them a resume of their character and what they've done in life and getting elected because of those things. No advertising necessary. No advertising necessary. They, they spent a few hundred hours. By the way, there are people who tried in New Hampshire to get elected by spending lots of money. They lost every single time. And why? People said, Randy here is going door to door. Cox, you're sitting there spending tons of money. I'm going to go with the guy that went door to door and introduced himself to me. Before we get back to your proposals, you, you just raised the issue of money. Right. You've invested a million dollars to start to, to jumpstart your own campaign, but you are going to have. California is not New Hampshire. That's why. right, 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 right. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not I'm not criticizing you. I'm just pointing out that you do need money in California and to to run a statewide effort. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so how are you going to raise the other big chunks of money you need? There's plenty of money in California. If there's one thing California has, it's money. I mean, California is home to more billionaires per square inch than any place in the face of the earth. Uh, have you so raised much so far? I've only started. I've okay. barely started. So, so give me a chance. Okay, back to your proposal. What I did when I came back from New Hampshire is I said, there's got to be a way to graft the New Hampshire system onto a big state. So I went to the top lawyers. I ended up going to Republican lawyers because the Democrats slammed the door in my face. I mean, any, I talked to three different d Democratic law firms. They all told me they couldn't help me. They were conflicted. No surprise. The Democrats are in complete control of the state, they don't want any change, right? They don't. I'm telling you right now. Well, when the Republicans were in control, they wouldn't have wanted any change either. Let's Maybe be so. fair. Totally agree with you. The people in control never want change, but they have to have it, and the people have to demand it. So I went to these lawyers, the top lawyers, the top Republican lawyers, and we came up with a system that, yes, it creates thousands of districts. So the answer is, this idea creates thousands of districts, but we still only send 120 people to Sacramento. It's the same number that go now. The difference is who they're accountable to. They're still accountable to the people directly. You know, each one of them 
will still represent a tiny district, which is what we create here. But they're also accountable to 99 other representatives within their bid district. Let me explain how so, it works. So for each assemblyman, there would be how many neighborhood legislators? Okay, let me explain exactly the practical realities of this. The districts, in an assembly district in California, there's 500,000 people. You, you know that now, and your listeners will know that. What we do with this proposal is that that 500,000 person district becomes 100 districts of 5,000 each within the boundaries of that big district. Those 100 people are the assemblymen from that district. 99 of those people stay home and live their lives the way they normally do. What happens is that those 100 people get together in a caucus and select one of their number to go to Sacramento as part of a working committee. And is that one that goes to Sacramento obligated or tethered to what the other 99 want him or her to do? Yes, the, the, the 99 who sent that one person as part of the working committee will keep in touch with them using today's modern technology, obviously. They can do that by text or email. And so that person knows in Sacramento if they want to get reappointed to be the working committee member, they better be responsive to those 99 people. They better keep them informed. They better do in Sacramento what the majority of those 99 want them to do. Generally, Republicans talk about wanting smaller government. This is small government. It, well, it makes it bigger, at least in numbers. No, it doesn't. It, it, it creates tiny districts, but this proposal creates no additional agency. It creates no additional level of government. It, it's just making districts tiny so that special interests lose their power. That's the essence of this idea, Randy. When you have a district that's only 5,000 people, you're not going to run television ads. It really creates a, a tiny campaign that money won't win. And you don't need to raise money, and you don't need to fear money either because special interest groups won't be able to come into your district and spend a bunch of money to get rid of you. They might try, but you'll be able to go door to door to your constituents and respond to any attacks on you. I think a lot of liberals, by the way, are gonna like this. No, I think they will. A lot of the Sanders, you know, Bernie Sanders railed on about millionaires and billionaires, right? Well, the neighborhood legislature is gonna take power away from those millionaires and billionaires. It's gonna take power away from the big businesses. It's also going to take power away from the big labor unions and 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 the and the big you know trial lawyers lobby. I mean, it's it's going to be on both sides, and that's the that's the key to this, by the way. And for those Democrats and some Republicans too, who were very frustrated and angry about the Supreme Court decision on Citizens United, this would go around it. It wouldn't affect that, it, it right? It wouldn't affect it. I mean, mm -hmm. Citizens United becomes a dead issue under a neighborhood legislature because super PACs. Raise all the money you want, but in a tiny little district, your money isn't going to win the day. Issues, Randy, issues and character will win the day when it's tiny campaigns. And guess what, Randy? The voters finally have a say. So aside from reducing the influence of quote-unquote special interest, what are the three key issues that you think most Californians are troubled by right now that you would okay. try to remedy as governor? The three top issues I'm running on are uh, getting rid of the corrupting interest uh, influence of special interest money. That's number one. Number two is getting rid of the corrupting interest of special interest money. 
Number three is getting rid of the corrupting interest of special interest money. Oh, did I repeat myself? You know, Randy, I'm being funny, but I'm not because the people of this state need to understand that our education system, which now we spend more on than about 97% of the states, but we're in the middle 40s, I think, in rankings of educational attainment. In terms of cost of living, this state is number one or two. In terms of business climate, this state is number 48 or 49th. In terms of uh, taxes, uh, they tax everything in the state except breathing, and that's still not enough. We gotta change a bunch of things in this state, and we're not going to make progress on any of these issues. So if I have anything to say about it, the special interests who are the ones who are holding back the society are gonna be taken out of power and the people are gonna be put back into power. Uh, Fair to say whoever becomes the next governor, he or she, will have some almost legendary shoes to fill. Whatever people think of Jerry Brown, there's no question that he's one of the most important political figures in state history. If yeah, for like no Ron, other reason... Like Ronald Reagan? If for no other reason, I'm saying one of the most, <laughs> if for no other reason, then he will have been governor for 16 years, which is almost twice as long as you've lived in California. I mean, he's been here a long time, and right now a lot of people like him. And he was the son of a former governor who became governor... You know, one of the things that people do, Randy, is they mistake name recognition for competence. And, uh, and I think that's a mistake. Cutting to the chase, your yeah. opinion of Jerry Brown, anything you admire? You know, to the extent that he looks like the adult in the room next to the legislature, or he looks like the most conservative man in Sacramento, uh, I guess I would say that everything is relevant, uh, or relative, excuse me. Everything is relative. Uh, Jerry Brown is a continuation of uh, special interest politics. Look at who the, look at who the contributors are to his uh, campaign fund. I mean, he is personified uh, special interest politics. Uh, contractors, uh, his train, his 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 crazy train. You know, and, and the idea that it should be built in the Central Valley, which frankly doesn't have nearly as many people as live along the coast, is uh, is, is is plainly idiotic. It's going to make a lot of money for contractors, though, who made substantial contribution to Jerry Brown's campaigns. So uh, Jerry Brown, just like the legislature, is a living, breathing example of why politics needs to be reformed in the state and we need to get special interests out of power. My point about Jerry Brown, as popular as he is, and he is popular, despite what you think about Relative to what? But okay, yes. Relative to everyone else in government in California. You proved my point. Okay. Relative to the president, (laughs) relative to the woman who ran against him. Okay. 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 So relative to a lot. That was two lousy choices. Relative to a lot. Okay. So so he's he's very popular. He's certainly articulate. Yet no one would say that the infrastructure in California is in good shape. He's trying, but he also is failing. So if he can't get it done, how could someone like you or anyone else? He can't get it done because he's a creature of the special interest corrupt machine just like everybody else in Sacramento. I mean, I I guess that's the point here, Randy. I am proposing that we stop doing stupid things. And a stupid thing is to have political leaders who have their campaigns funded and staffed by the people who want something from government. And Jerry Brown isn't going to change it because, frankly, he's a product of it. I'm certainly going to have to raise money initially here to get this accomplished. But I think when people hear 
about the neighborhood legislature, when they really get into understanding it and appreciating the nuances of it and the fact that it involves voters again, I think it's going to be tremendously popular. I want to get back to the infrastructure because clearly at some point for California's infrastructure to improve, California is going to need some federal help. But it's no secret that the governor and the state legislature aren't tight with Donald Trump. And uh, there's, a lot of san- there's a lot of sanctuary cities in <laughs> California, and there's even talk about making it a sanctuary state. And the president is consequently talking about withholding federal funds, and that can't help improve the federal, uh, that can't help I, the infrastructure. I tell you, Randy, I think it's beyond stupid for our state leaders and our federal leaders to be fighting with each other. They're there because they're our representatives, and they should be working for our interests. But you know what they're doing, by the way, at the same time they're creating all these fights? Guess what? They're using it to raise money. And it's a wonderful way to raise money, Randy. The way to raise money is get people angry or scared. And that's what our political leadership does very, very well. They have figured out that it's so easy to pry a check out of some group or some person by getting them very angry or very afraid. Well, I gotta tell you, if we get rid of fundraising as the main vehicle for political success in this country, maybe, just maybe, we'll get people who appeal to our positive natures and don't try to scare us and don't try to make us angry. Well, let's get back to sanctuary cities. That's what they're talking about. Sure, okay. which is all about angry and scared. Okay, and, and, and maybe maybe they are using that to raise money. But aside from that, on the issue of sanctuary cities and a sanctuary state, do you agree, I disagree? Want, I want a neighborhood legislature that's going to represent the people and that's going to enforce the law and that's going to work with the federal government to try to correct problems. And if there's people here who are illegally, who are breaking the law, get rid of them and deport them because we need to have safe neighborhoods. So again, cutting to the chase, clearly you are against the notion of sanctuary cities. I'm against the idea that public officials of one level have to try to create a war with public officials of another level, which is exactly what this is. The public officials are responding to the desires of the people in these cities. Most people in these cities want that to be the case. They're not trying to work cooperatively to solve a problem. They're ginning up anger on both sides by declaring themselves immune from federal law or the federal people are trying to gain precedence over the people locally. And they're all doing it to raise money. As did Donald Trump. As did Donald Trump. I would grant you that immediately. And maybe that's one of the reasons he's president today, because he was able to gin up a lot of that anger. As it stands now, it looks like next year, Donald Trump could be one of the major issues in the governor's race. Who would be the strongest candidate in fighting Donald Trump? Well, the last I looked, California was still a member of the union. I I think what we ought to be doing is instead of demonizing the federal government or the president, we ought to be trying to work with the president. As uh, idiotic as some of the statements he makes, I I think he does want the government uh, to work together. I think he does want the United States to be the greatest country in the face of the earth. And and if I'm the governor of California, I'm going to try to work with the federal government as much as I can. I'm not trying to try to pick fights with people. Let let me approach it from another way then. 
the president wants to build a wall at the border. Well, that borders our border too. It's California's border too, and much of the border would be on California land. Is that a good idea? It's a symbol. It's a symbol of uh, standing for the rule of law. You know, San Diego already has a border wall, and it's worked. Let's try to solve the problem. Let's make sure that we stop the influx of gangs and, and drugs and guns. I, I want to deport people who have broken the law here, and that means people who have committed crimes, like violent crimes especially. That's first and foremost. Drug crimes, that's hurtful as well. Uh, that's the priority that I would have. Well, they're talking uh, about deporting. They're, they're talking is about issue. deporting much more. Than that. I mean, I being, understand. I being, understand. And being undocumented is a crime. I understand, and 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 that's an issue, and we have to resolve it, and we have to figure out a way that's fair to everybody. I believe there is a way to do that. Uh, I'm not for mass deportations. I'm not for having our police go into people's homes and take them out, kicking and screaming. I mean, that isn't unacceptable solution as far as I'm concerned, but I want the law respected. The president wants to cut funding to the EPA and uh, get rid of many environmental regulations. Uh, in California, I think it's fair to say most people value a clean San Francisco Bay, clean air, clean beaches. As do I. And many people feel that uh, Trump's proposed cuts put all those things in jeopardy. Again, Let's get scared. Let's get angry. Let's get scared. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't give that answer again. I will. Because it's the truth. I'm going to tell the truth. These proposals are real. These aren't fears. That's true. So what is your response? What as governor would you do My response to that is that what people are doing is they're saying, oh, my God, they're going to take money from the EPA. That immediately means that it's open season on dumping sewage into the San Francisco Bay. Come on, be real about this. I don't think anybody wants dirty air or dirty water. And frankly, the air and water are cleaner, way cleaner today than they were 30 years ago. I'll so, tell you that. So you're fine with his proposed cuts? No, no. I'm, I'm, I, well, I'm fine with not wasting money. Uh, so there's, is there's the, a, has the EPA there, been wasting money? Well, I don't know if you know this or not, but there's a federal EPA and there's a state EPA. They both have armies of bureaucrats that spend billions of tax dollars duplicating their efforts. I believe environmental protection ought to be there, but it ought to be done at the state level where it's accountable. It shouldn't be all, you know, with billions of dollars at the federal level. So am I interested in cutting the federal budget? Absolutely. I think a lot of these things ought to be done at the state level. Well, the problem, but I am for clean air and clean water. The, the, the problem with doing it at the state level, of course, is that pollution, air pollution certainly doesn't, air pollution do, 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 doesn't stop at the border. Okay. I think the states facilitated what the federal government could do it, but that doesn't mean there has to be this incredible bureaucracy in Washington, D.C., who thinks it's one size fits all and are so far away from the problem and are just perpetuated by, you know, by politicians who like to spend money in their states. I'd like to see a lot of the stuff the federal government do uh, or does uh, devolving to the states because the states are the place where the action happens and they're closer to the problem. You've in the past run for Congress, you've run for Senate, and you even ran for president and none of those things worked out. And now you're running for governor. Any lessons there? You know, I ran for those offices because I was unhappy about policy that I wanted to see changed. Uh, I'm apologizing for my trite analogy in advance. Pro football teams don't 
give someone the starting quarterback's position unless that person's played quarterback at least somewhere else before. Okay, uh, you're, you're, you're making a statement that somehow I don't have experience? No, I'm, I'm, I'm making the statement that you don't have public office experience and you've tried you and failed. that's so valuable that that's, 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 that's invaluable. You know, what does an executive do, Randy? I actually took a business from zero to 200 million. I have 100 employees back in Indiana that, that look to me for leadership and guidance. I've executed on budgets. I've hired and fired people and built an organization. That's exactly what we want in a chief executive of the state of California, Randy. We want somebody who knows how to craft the budget and stick to it. We want somebody that knows how to hire people and set goals and fire them if they don't achieve those goals. That's what a businessman does. And, and again, I, 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 re- I respect that argument. I understand that argument. But my point is it's the same argument Carly Fiorina made in California. She failed. Meg Whitman made in California. She failed. Michael Huffington made the same argument. Al Checky made uh, the same argument. There's a long history of people without experience running for higher office. Some of them had great ideas, and I think some of your ideas are great. I really do. But there's a long history of, of, of people trying and failing, and I'm just wondering, is there a lesson in that? Yes. The times have changed, first of all. The people have gotten wise to the game in Sacramento. And the answer is I have a real plan for doing something about special interest money and the capture of Sacramento. That is very different from all those people you mentioned. All those people you mentioned were billionaires. I'm not a billionaire. I'm a small businessman. I'm not going to be funding this campaign. I'm not a billionaire like Meg Whitman. I am a small businessman. I'm seeding this campaign. I'm starting the snowball going downhill, but I'm not going to be able to finish it. I'm sick and tired of watching California degrade. I want to restore the promise of California. This is the golden state, for crying out loud. It's been run down by the politicians. I want to change that. I got to tell you, there's more than enough people in the state that have $50 to spend that would give it to this idea, and that'll swamp anything Gavin Newsom can raise from his special interest buddies. John Cox, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Randy. You can subscribe to This Golden State on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, and find us on San Francisco Magazine's website as well. If you like us, spread the word. Any comments or ideas, shoot me an email to shandabel at shandabel.com. That's S-H-A-N-D-O-B-I-L. Thanks for listening.